Theology Thursday Live. The Rapture. Be, be pure, take a tour through the sewer. It's a blindy song about it. Um, so, we're living in the last days. What does that mean? Um, with the COVID-19 thing, everybody was talking about how there's this in the world. It's a sign of the end times. There are disasters, fires, floods, and killer bees. There are earthquakes. There are wars and rumors of wars. I think years ago, Jack Van Impe retranslated the, uh, war, the, the word for rumors of wars to be terrorisms. And so if you know who Jack Van Impe is, then he... Um, a popular end times person and um, had Roxella, I believe was her name there with him. And I don't know, I was all into Jack Van Impey for a while. He used to come on TV late at night when I was younger and um, I was all into the end times, eschatology, um, the beast, the 666, Antichrist, all these things. Um, I was listening to a podcast earlier today and the person described himself as a super geek in all things eschatological and the book of Revelation. So it is very interesting how this topic of um, the end times, um, eschatology it's called in theology, eschatos meaning end, um, study of end things, gets to be a whole subgenre in itself where people are just very into it, um, interpreting everything they see in the news um, everything that's happening in light of what their eschatological end-time view of everything is. So, on one hand, it's very important to have these things right because we want to know what has the Lord revealed to us, what um, are we supposed to know, what things are hidden that we're not supposed to... Um, the secret things belong to the Lord, the Bible says. So, you know, we don't want to look too, too um, intently into things that are not revealed. Um there will apparently there are signs of his coming and things like this so you know let's look into it some uh surprisingly the book of revelation is not the go-to book for all things eschatological um when we look at the book of revelation we look at things having to do with symbolisms and things like this because um of the the nature of the genre which is apocalyptic thank y'all and um so, the rapture, though, this particular aspect is what we're going to look at. And as I began to study it, uh, it's like a lot of things, I think, that we, there's many theological topics that people who study the Bible and maybe have been in church for a while, and it's like, okay, there are these topics, okay, right, now I've, I've studied this, and I've come to a conclusion on it, and now, you know, kind of moved on to other things. And then those topics come back up, and you say, all right, I know where I'm settled on it, but I haven't really looked into it in a while so you have to refresh your memory and the arguments and things and so you dig back into it and so as I have dug back into the um, theology of the rapture very interesting um, the things that that one learns from studying the Bible to see what it says about um, the end times these things that Jesus spoke about in a few places in scripture now the thing about the rapture is for some churches uh, for some denominations, but particularly for some churches, um, if you're not pre-trib, post-mill, I don't even know, there's too many things. That if, you're, if you don't have your eschatology just right, they don't even allow you to speak. Like if you, if you don't believe in the rapture, like for example, I, I'm not sure 
um, that you can use, what's the Awana program? I think oh, it's a big, you know, it's a children's program, and I'm pretty sure it's, it's Baptist, but um, it's also, you have to believe in the rapture. I think, Google me and test me on it, but I remember looking at it, because we were talking about, hey, maybe we could do Awanas, but it's like, well, no, we, we disagree on baptism, so you're out on that. And then I think there's also the eschatological position that they're, they're big on. You have to be a pre-trib rapture guy. Um, and for a lot of people, man, if you don't believe in the rapture, it's just heretical. It is heretical. Then if you start asking people, why do you believe in the rapture? Now that I'm talking on the popular level, um, a lot of people, you know, they don't know. The Bible teaches it where, and maybe they have a verse that they go to, first, first, first Thessalonians 4, and then also the idea and um, is it Matthew 28 where they're talking about, you know, two men walking up a hill, one disappears and one left standing still. I wish they'd all been ready. You know, we've seen that. I grew up singing that song. So I think one of the problems is in our church today, and this is in the rapture is a big American theology too, um, is when we make, when some Christians make something of primary importance that is not primary in its importance of the gospel, then we fall in serious error in possibly calling a division in the body of Christ, basically. I mean, so, you know, so let's look at the rapture a little bit. So I, I maintain, I don't believe in, in the rapture in the sense of Jesus coming back. Even a guy used to have a rapture pen. It was a little, it was like a hook and I was like, what's that? And he says, rapture pen. I said, well, okay, what, what do you mean? Well, Jesus comes back, but he doesn't come all the way back. It's like right before he touches the earth, he comes right back. You know, so it's like, this is the earth. And then he comes, and he doesn't come all the way back. He just comes back for the church. So, you know, it's not the third coming. The second coming is when he comes back, but he will come, and there's a secret rapture. Um, the Left Behind series, a lot of people are, are rapture believers that would say the Tim LaHaye Left Behind series is ridiculous and they don't believe in it either and to judge rapture theory theology on the Left Behind series would be a straw man argument not right however we have done even in our church not here but another church I attended um, did a study in the book of Revelation and some brought the Left Behind series as their commentaries on it. So there are people who see uh, the Left Behind series of books as theological commentary on end times. So um, then if I say I don't believe in the rapture, um, on the little meme I had below the, the, the notification for the fact we're going to do this live, I had the, the guy holding his hand out to give a high five to the, the team. It was like a basketball team as they're leaving, and nobody's giving him a high five. And, and I had that experience one time, too. We're doing something. We ran on the field after a Carolina game in Carolina, South Carolina, and Carolina had lost, and we're all running down. I got my hands running right down the middle of them, hands up, like, give me five, give me five, and they're all like, you know, so we started slapping them all in the chest, and then we noticed as we're going down, it's like, oh, I was hitting them in the stomach. <laughs> like, these were some big guys. But, uh, yeah, they just left them hanging. You know, it's like, because if, it's like, if you don't believe in the rapture in certain circles, then you're, you are a suspect. You, um, certainly not allowed to preach, teach in their churches and stuff, because it's one of the things that some people have set up as a symbol of orthodoxy. So, I'm going to spend a few different times going through this, and it's not going to be as complicated as we might think, because we're going to go through Scripture and exegete the Scripture and see what the Scripture has to say, and it's pretty easy. But for our introduction, 
to the rapture. And of course, the rapture, okay, Jesus comes back, he takes the church, all the believers. Um, they you just physically disappear. And then everybody else is, is left behind. So you have the, when you have like the two walking, so, you know, one disappears, one's left standing still from the song. Then um, the ones who are taken are raptured into heaven, and the ones who are left behind are are the, the bad people. And I'm going to argue from scripture that it's the evil ones are taken out and the good ones are the ones left behind in the context. But, um, but we'll look at that. And, um, I think in context, we can make sense of these things. Um, so anyway, the church is taken out. There's a, then you get all into these different, um, theories and, um, on the different schemes for the years like okay so do you go through the pre-trib i don't even want to get into all the different ones but it's like if you're a pre-trib rapture that means you'll be the church is raptured out before the tribulation so the church does not have to go through the great tribulation everybody's like woo hallelujah i don't have to go through the great tribulation it'll just be all the non-believers that are left here uh, to suffer the wrath there'll be no salt there'll be no light there'll be no witness um I think, but in the Left Behind series, there were some people who got converted after that, and so they become the witness. But anyway, so then there's people who are post-trib rapture, like the church will go through the tribulation, but and then they're taken out. Um, all these schemes that has to do with the millennium, millennial reign. Like so, there's a thousand years where. Jesus reigns physically on the earth for a thousand years, and, and then I'm a mill person. I don't believe it's a literal thousand years because we're in the book of Revelation. All the numbers are symbolic, and you know, and that one's a number too, symbolic for a long period of time. Jesus is on the throne. Where is Jesus now? On the throne. He has ascended into heaven. He ascended to the throne. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Every tongue confess, every knee bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. God. You know, he's, Jesus is king. He's Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He is now enthroned in the heavenlies. Um, so that's where we are. No church father ever taught on the rapture. So if you're talking about the church fathers, these are the people going all the way back after the, the apostle was going on. There was no church father ever taught the rapture. Um, it was not taught in the Middle Ages. It was not taught in the Reformation. It is a modern invention. Now I use the word invention. Some people would get upset over that. It's a... And some of this I've made notes from different writers. So, but I would say, you know, the rapture as it's taught today um, was first introduced by John Darby. He's a founder of the Plymouth Brethren in 1830. Anybody wants to check my information on this, you're free to do it and correct me in the comments or text me or whatever you'd like to do. But best I can figure, this is what I have in my research. I found out and I tend to remember this stuff too so it was invented by john darby in 1830 founder of the P plymouth brethren they also say that he is the first to come up with this and so um, for 1800 years the church confessed its faith not in the rapture so <clears throat> if it's not talking about the rapture what are we talking about Okay, so there's a couple of things. One is a judgment on Israel, and we're going to see all this in context in Matthew. We're not going to get all of it today, but we will um, study these scriptures together. And we'll, it, I think it makes it's, it's, it's such a more glorious point that's made than the church being sucked out and taken away um, during the uh, time of tribulation. Um, but that it's talking about the, the point that Paul is talking about in these things is the resurrection. I mean, what are we looking forward to? The rapture? 
that we get sucked out of here before the great tribulation. You know, bye-bye suckers, we're out of here. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean, it's like the resurrection. That's what we want. I mean, we go through tribulation. We go through trials. We go through tribulations. We're in the tribulation period. There, there are things happening, people being persecuted, people being tortured for their faith, people beheaded for their faith. Even today, um, these things are occurring. We don't understand persecution and trial much here in the United States, but other parts of the world tremendous persecution other times in history tremendous persecution the apostles had tremendous trials and tribulations and persecutions um, is the history of the church typically to go through trials and tribulations and persecutions um, so to to look forward to a grand time when the church one day somehow in the future and just those who live at the time will get raptured um, well, if we don't live during that time, we're not getting raptured out. So I think maybe that's why everybody wants to be in that time. Um, it used to be people were looking for the Antichrist. Now that's a long time when people are looking for this is the Antichrist, this is the Antichrist, this is the Antichrist. But it's a whole other subject. But um, yeah, the whole idea of this secret rapture thing is, is new. But the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection, that's what we all share in, the hope of the resurrection. Um that when we die, it's not the end, that, we'll, that we will be resurrected, that Christ's resurrection um, is the first fruit of our resurrection. So we die, we're to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, but the resurrection of the body, in the Apostles' Creed that we talk about, um, that we will um, be with Christ, see Him as He is, because we'll be as He is. We won't be God, but we'll have glorified bodies so that we're not just soul spirits and, and the body is done away with. The early Christians um, took care of the bodies in burial as, as symbolic, Symbolic of the fact that the body matters. The the Gnostic heresies were of the time was that matter is in it doesn't matter. Matter is is bad, and once we get rid of it, then the good is all that exists. It's like no, these things aren't inherently bad. In the fall, this occurred. So we die. We we. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, I think it is, talks about, you know, like a seed dies, it must grow, so we have to be transformed. Um, so the resurrection is the hope of the Christian. The resurrection, I mean, look through Scripture. Rapture is not something that we have our hope in. Rapture is not something that we're supposed to be like trying to preach and teach and make this big point of. It's the resurrection of the body, the, our, our resurrection. So that's what was taught early on. Um, so since it wasn't taught for the first 1,800 years of the church, there has a there's a large burden of proof against it. So you, you really need to, um, if you, it's not that it we, the church could have missed it for almost 2,000 years, but um, if you're coming up with something that new, um, you better have solid ground for it. So we're going to look at that. Um, how did it grow in popularity? I think I read the Pew Research um, things this year. They did a, an end times um, survey and it was something like um, I wrote that down actually 41% of Americans believe in um, the rapture 41% of Americans maybe it was American Christians I don't know but it's a large number of I thought it'd be more than that if it's American you know if you look at certain denominations or certain regions um, it's, it's pretty high so if it's new um, and if I'm going to argue that it's not really biblical then why are so many people believing in the rapture um so it's 1830 is when the first person john darby came up with it it grew in popularity first because um 
almost 30 years later in 1909, the Schofield Reference Bible included um, in study notes about the rapture. So in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 and Matthew 24, it talks about um, references to the, the rapture in the Schofield Reference Bible. So typically a lot of people would think that um, the rapture was actually first time it's mentioned in Schofield, but Schofield got it from this teaching of of John Darby, and there were over 2 million copies of the Schofield Reference Bible sold before the end of World War II. So by World War II, everybody had these Schofield Reference Bibles. I'm sure there are cool Bibles, and they had these references, you can go through a good study Bible, but in that was the teaching of the of the um, rapture. And so if you're you know a person that believes in whatever... The, you know why would you doubt something that's in the Bible? I mean, it's a it's a reference Bible. It has study notes in it, so you have to be careful when you have a study Bible and you're reading notes that you you know they're really not authoritative like the Bible is. But you you trust you know that somebody is going to have trouble writing a a study Bible is going to have you know the teaching of the church in it, and so you see about the rapture. Now, to me, it's somewhat because I've believed all this stuff for years and years too, and I want to make this point too. Um, if you believe in a rapture, I do not mean to insult you. Uh, and if you believe in a rapture because you believe that Scripture teaches it, then I'm even more there with you. If you believe in a rapture because your tradition has taught it, because it's just something that's in your head from being taught it, you got to be careful of that kind of thing. I remember being in school and seeing those little monkeys. Remember the little, they had a little monkey, and it got a little bigger, and then the next picture was a bigger, and it kept getting, the, the monkey kept getting bigger, and instead of being hunched over, he kept standing up until you got all the way to it. It was, a, it was a man, finally. So, you know, it's like, what's that? That's the evolution of man from, you know, the little monkey to the bigger monkeys, and there he is. I was like, well, there it is. Lay it out for you. You can see clearly that we evolved from monkeys. And then I find out, it's like, that's, that's an artist did that. They don't have those little monkeys. They don't know. They, they assume they got like a tooth here, they got a bone here, and they're like, well, it must be because we know God did not create man in his own image out of the dust. He had to evolve. And you see the proof of it on your science wall at school that I saw all the time. But then you find out, guess what? They don't know. Um, similar thing it can be with stuff such as, the rapture. So I'm, I'm saying that what we're looking at is not the rapture, but um, the attack on Jerusalem when um, the temple was destroyed in AD 70. And there was prophecy by Jesus to, um, you can get out of that, you can avoid it, but there will come an end to the Jewish um, Old Testament, Old Covenant, and the sacrificial system is going to come to an end, and these things are going to um, and be judged and then the church will, will grow in its fullness and, and fruitfulness and so it's really neat stuff we look at it well it's also the glory of god and jesus christ and um it's pretty amazing um bigger deal than a rapture could be um, as far as giving glory to god the church has not been persecuted for preaching this was um i didn't write who i got this from but good quote the church has not been persecuted for preaching heaven but for preaching the kingdom of god thy kingdom come so when the church and christians are persecuted it's not because they're telling everybody that we're going to go into heaven one day okay it's because um we teach the kingdom of heaven is now we're to be salt we're to be light we're to um, say we don't bow down to caesar now we don't bow down to the government now um, we obey our leaders we give you know things like this but ultimate obedience and allegiance is to the lord um, that's in who we have our faith that's in that's the one that um that's why governments and other religions have a problem is because they understand there is a present aspect to what the church 
believes and what the church teaches that we're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, some of the rapture stuff is based on fear. Will I go through the tribulation? I mean, I know a lot of people are just like, that's their fear, and they're going through the tribulation. Um, and what you have to know about church history in the year 70 AD, in the year of our Lord, um, 70, the destruction of the Jewish temple happened. There were more than 1 million Jews slaughtered. There were thousands of more left homeless. Um, this was a warning to the people in Matthew 24 that this was going to happen. Um, Josephus, wrote, he's a historian, wrote um, about 30, 40 years later, the history of the Jewish wars talks about the siege of Jerusalem and the terrible things that happened. You can read about it in there. Um, awful, terrible things that occurred. The Romans smothered the city to death. There was no escape. It was sieged. They cut off all um, goods that could come in. People were starving to death. There was cannibalism. Uh, there were stories in there. If you have children watching, this is probably not good. Stories in there of um, mothers who had, you know, ate their children for food. And um, it's like unbelievable stuff that um, hard to understand, hard to believe. But um, it's when you read Matthew in the context and thinking about this is something that was warned that was going to happen, then a lot of these things start to make sense. But really, I look at Scripture and see if this is really what it's talking about. Um, but uh, let's see, make sure I don't want to miss anything. Um, so, yeah, and also what I'm saying, if you do believe in a rapture, and I, if I come across as being condescending about it, I do apologize because um, I really, I don't mean to be, but some of it we just need to really think through. But I don't think it should be as divisive as it is in churches. Um, I think if a church makes this one of their primary points of orthodoxy, I think there's a problem. Um, I think if there are, um, such as Awanas, I mean, yeah, Google that for me, but I'm pretty sure that if you aren't, a rapture church then you're not you're not welcome to use their their stuff um all right so let's look at a couple passages just for a minute or two and we'll get back to it but first thing is first thessalonians chapter four so in verse 17 first thessalonians um is paul if you kind of know you kind of get an idea which things paul wrote then that helps in memorizing where things are um and the T's are all in numeric and alphabetical order, so that helps. First um, Thessalonians chapter four. And let's just go um, verse 13. We'll just read this in context, and then we'll start in Matthew and kind of show where we're going, and then we'll let you guys read it and think about it and, and look up some stuff too. Um, but I would say the main thing I want to do is let's see what Scripture says, um, not just what your tradition says, not just what you believe to be true because you saw it in a reference Bible or things like that, but really thinking these things through because we have an obligation like the Bereans to church these things, search these things and find out whether they be true. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Oh, yeah, another thing, just before... Um, as I'm, as I'm reading people who do believe in a rapture, and so, I suggest you do that too. You read people who believe both sides, and um, sometimes if you demonize one side, you're never going to hear because you, they're just bad. So why would you? There's nothing you can learn. So you have to learn to be able to listen and just think. Maybe there is something I can learn from the person that's talking. So, um, but it's like 
a lot of the churches are very anti-Calvinistic churches, and so this is the 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 nine the all-mill non-rapture theology has been brought in by these Calvinistic guys. And it's like, well, whatever. But this this was brought in in the 1830s. So let's let's look at it biblically. And if the Calvinistic guys are right, then, you know, we follow truth, not our feelings and emotions. Um, and then our emotions should follow truth. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. That's talking about people who are dead. Um, that you may not grieve as those who have no hope. And we use that a lot. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. That's wonderful truth. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. All right, so this is the resurrection. We also, you know, is die, you get, you're, you're with the Lord. Um, and then for thus we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So there are people who are died and they're with the Lord. And we're still living. So precede what? Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command and the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Okay, so this is all mosaic stuff. Moses went up the mountain, the trumpet blast, and he went up, the trumpet blast, and he came down with the Ten Commandments. He saw the people um, with the golden calf. So, you know, this, this is supposed to put us back into the thought patterns of Moses meeting with God, he ascending the mountain of God, coming down the mountain of God, Jesus Christ has ascended to the throne. It's coming again. Okay, so a lot of people also think if you don't believe in the rapture, you don't believe in the second coming of Christ. That's not true. We do believe that he is coming back. We just don't believe in this rapture where he comes back, takes everybody, and he comes back again later. Um, For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a cry and a command, the voice of an archangel and the sound of a trumpet. And then the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay, so... So people who are dead, but they're believers, they're, they're going to be raised first. And we who are alive, who are left, okay, so we're not dead, but we're still alive. Because this is going to be a last day. I mean, there's not everybody's, so you not had the last day where everybody dies. And then everybody goes to heaven. There's going to be a last day when that's it. Okay. Um, we who are alive and are left will be called up together with him in the clouds. And they talked about the clouds were around the mountain in Moses' time to the clouds. This is all this imagery of God coming down, meeting with his people to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Um, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. Okay. So if you're living in the original time when Paul's writing this 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 letter and you're saying you know there's going to be a day when there's going to be a rapture and we're going to meet the you know go up to be with god in heaven like that use the word heaven and i think maybe the king james does there i forgot i looked it up though and um but the word is air air in in greek i mean it means the word air uranus uranus means i think it's uranus means the heaven so there's a greek word for heavens and this is a word for atmosphere for the air so we're going to meet him in the air you know we're going to um there's going to be a last day when this happens. So this is the resurrection. So, and then in the twinkling of an eye, when this is it, this is the end of the world. Um, 
there's two things that we look forward to. There is a day when things will be set right, but also that you who have died are going to be with the Lord. And there's going to be a last day when we all come together, great white throne judgment and all this stuff together. This First Thessalonians is not teaching a separate type of, of rapture thing. So, um, but you can look at that and it's because you're encouraged when know with these words. Um, and let's just go a couple more minutes. Let's look at... Um, I want to go ahead and do the Matthew. We'll just get started real quick with, with Matthew. So if you go to Matthew, uh, Matthew 24 is the one that has our, so we'll go to Matthew, first book in the New Testament, Matthew 24, verse 37. Um, let's start at 36. This is where my paragraph break starts here. Um, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. All right, so in context, and we're going to go back, we're, we're going to start our exegeting auto back in chapter 21, because this is where he starts when Jesus begins talking about what he's talking about. So you can't come in in the middle of a conversation and then make all your theology about it. But, but let's just look at this, because this is something that people have had in their mind. Um, from the last time I talked, um, verse 37, for as were the days of Noah. So, okay, Noah, what's Noah? Flood. All right, what happened? There were people who were saved on the ark, and there were people who were um, destroyed in the deluge, in the flood. Okay, so we got that. There were people who were saved on the ark, and there were people who were destroyed. Many more people destroyed than were saved, and those who were saved were basically saved by the faith of Noah and because they were of his household. Um, so in those days, okay, so just as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of Son of Man. All right, so it's like the flood comes, but there's been lots of warning, there's been lots of preaching of the gospel, um, all these things. For, verse 38, For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. So life is going on. But then he goes into the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Okay, so it's going to catch some people going to be swept away. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you don't know the day of the Lord's coming. Okay, so where do we get the idea that the ones taken are actually the ones who are saved and the ones who are left behind are the ones who are not? So which ones were swept away by the flood? Which ones were taken? It was by a flood. Now you can see where you can go like, eh, okay, I could go either way with it. But the point I'm making here is most people will look at that passage and say there's two people. One's taken and one's left behind. And we know from the Left Behind series that you don't want to be the ones left behind. Okay, you want to be the ones taken. Uh, Old Testament, the ones who were um, taken um, into captivity uh, were the ones who were being saved, you know, because they were being taken into captivity, Because, but the Lord had told them, get out. Okay, the Lord had told them, get into the ark. And so, but in this thing, he's talking about people are just marrying. They're doing all this stuff. There's going to be people working and doing stuff, and then something's going to happen, and there's one's going to be taken and one's going to be left behind. So something's occurring. And uh, I'm going to say, as we look at what is occurring, 
um, what Jesus is prophesying here is that there is a there is a, a there is a devastating event that's going to occur. Jesus speaks, and at some point in his future, something devastating is going to happen. He says, you guys, when you see it happening, get out. Go to mountains. Um, it's going to be rough if you don't get out in that time. And don't go back for stuff. Just just go. Um, by the time you see the signs of the coming, it's already almost too late. You get out. Um and, and that it's going to be, you know, some people, it's, you know, a lot of people are going to be left. So we read into it, those who are taken are the good people and those who are left behind are the bad people. That's something we bring into the passage. And so what we need to know is, you know, is that really what he's talking about? And we won't have time now, but where I would like, well, I'm going to give you an assignment if you want to do this is you start in Matthew chapter 21 and look at what Jesus is talking about with the temple and we begin to um, look at let me look at and get you or get you started in this one place at least um, Matthew 21:12 Jesus enters the temple and he drives out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house. This is my house. Okay, you got to picture this. This is his body. This is all represents him. This is my house. And I come here, and you guys are making a den of thieves. You're not worshiping God. You are making it difficult for people to worship God. You're, you're making the worship of my father a stench in people's noses. You make it a den of robbers. Okay, so then he gets to verse 18. It says, In the morning he was returning to the city, and he became hungry, and he sees this fig tree along the way. And he went to it, and he found nothing on it but only leaves. So you got it's just a leaf, it's leaf only, no fruit. And he said, May no fruit ever come from you again, and the tree withered. And everybody's like, What's up with the fig tree thing? So the disciples saw it and they marveled and says, how did the fig tree wear there all at once? And Jesus said, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it in faith. All right, so we use this passage to talk about faith, and it's a passage about faith. And we see it as it's saying, if you say to a mountain... Um, he just happened to be in our mountains. If you say this mountain go, cast into the sea, it'll be cast into the sea. But uh, there's more going on here. And, and, and if you go back to Matthew 24, you'll see it talks about the fig tree again here. So lesson from the fig tree, chapter 24, 32. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as it branches, becomes tender, and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that his that he is near the very gate. So I say, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place, blah, blah, blah. So, <clears throat> the fig tree is going to be the big thing. It's what you're going to have to look at. And what we're looking at is Jesus judging the temple. Jesus judging the scribes and the Pharisees. These are the people that put him to death. They put to death the, the Lord of glory. Um, the entire Old Testament age, the entire um, Old Covenant system is coming to an end. The tabernacle, the sacrifices, um, when he dies, the the, the curtain is turn, torn from top to bottom. Uh, all the walls, Jesus says, are all going to be tumbled. All this, no stones going to be left upon another. All these things are happening. Um, the fig tree representing the, the Old Testament Israel not producing fruit. 
but you have faith. And so you should be producing fruit. Um, and if you don't produce fruit, then these things can happen to you too. You must have faith. And this all connects biblically to the whole message of the Bible. And then when we get to Matthew 24, and we're talking about the coming of the Lord, and we're in 1 Thessalonians 4, and when some things in Revelation are being talked about, what we're looking at is the warning of the destruction of the temple in AD 70. So there are things that we're going to see as we go through next time, Matthew, and we're going to say, you know, how do these things connect together? Some things are talking about the destruction of the temple in AD 70, future to Jesus. Okay, pass to us, and then some things that we can currently apply for the future, and um, things that we learn from what happened, and also things that are still future when the Lord comes back and there's new heavens and new earth. All right, um, I hope I didn't do too much confusion today. I just, if there, I'm hoping that what we can do is one, understand. Um, one of my the things that troubles my heart today is I grew up Baptist, um, and now I'm a Presbyterian. Um, I believe the Bible. I believe faith alone, in Christ alone. I believe that um, without faith in Jesus Christ, we are all lost. I believe the Bible is the Word of God from beginning to end. I don't believe in extra-biblical revelation. I don't believe in, um, I think that the Holy Spirit prompts us and guides us and leads us but you better be in his word because our heart is deceitfully wicked and and um then you can be led you can be led astray that's why we do interpretation within the context of the church the church should do um, interpretation in context of um of creeds of um fathers who've gone before us and study the word and we should listen to them and and take counsel for them and if they've got something wrong yeah okay we fix it but it better be in the scriptures and it better not be somebody that's come up with some kind of a god told me this or the holy spirit told me that show me in you show me in the word where the holy spirit leads us to this um so I think people who believe in the rapture should be able to get along with people who don't believe in the rapture. We should hold these things loosely. But we also need to make sure that we aren't losing the theology of the resurrection, that we aren't losing the theology of Jesus Christ saying, this, these are last days. From the time of, of Christ's death and resurrection till today, these are last days. The church um, is has been grafted into Israel, true Israel, spiritual Israel. The work of the Lord through the Holy Spirit is taking place through us. We have the keys of the kingdom um, belong to the church. We are salt. We are light. Uh, we are the only hope of this world. We have the message of glory. We have the message of faith. And if churches are going to be divided over secondary issues that, like if I'm wrong about the, the rapture, okay, I'll be surprised. And there we are. If we're wrong about the resurrection, we're done. Okay, and so um, if you, I think once you're gonna start saying this, you're gonna see there's a much more there's a more grand and glorious truth that Jesus Christ is teaching than the fact that the church is gonna get taken out at some point. Okay, I just I think, and I don't mean to, it, it, I don't mean to belittle this, um, but I do think if it causes division in the body then we need to tread carefully and love our brothers and sisters who may believe differently on this. Um, because faith alone in Christ alone is, is, there are things that are important in the gospel. There are things that if you don't have, you don't have the gospel. Jesus Christ, Son of God, down on the cross, third day resurrected, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's 
big stuff. If we don't agree on that, then we're in trouble. Authority of Scripture. You don't believe in that, we're in big trouble. Um, different things. So we can talk about these things, pray about these things, but we need to be able to um, come together in love and fellowship and communion and prayer and be able to go to the death over some things. And for other things, we can go, okay, you may be right, you may be wrong too. And we need to know the difference. Okay, hope it didn't go too long. Um, and we will look at this some more next time. And send questions, comments, um, and we'll kind of we'll study through this together. All right, God bless.